Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. How do you go through with a home birth when you start your pregnancy terrified of home birth? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 184 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking to Katie Ganim, a mama who agreed to a home birth during her second pregnancy, even though she really wasn't sold on it in the beginning. We'll see how it came to be and then how it actually unfolded. Now, before we go any further, I have to give a huge congratulations and welcome to the mothers who have decided to join me for the first cohort of the Home Birth Collective. If you were on vacation for the last few weeks and you missed the exciting announcement, the Home Birth Collective is a 12-week intensive program that is designed to put birth back to its rightful place. No longer are we willing to settle for the Band-Aid approach that is childbirth education We are going down deep with this 12-week intensive program that aims to honor the deep transformation that comes with childbirth. We're not doing this just to cope through labor. We're doing this to become the mother that we were designed to be, that primal mother who's been there, ready and waiting to be awakened. And that's what we're doing inside of the HBC. This cohort is running from July 12th to September 30th. So if you missed out and you're ready for the next one, make sure you check out the waitlist. All you have to do is go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash collective, and you can go ahead and get ready because I know the next cohort is going to fill up fast for October. And let me take one more quick moment to thank this week's reviewer of the week, the punchy farmer who wrote Homestead Homebirth. So incredibly grateful I found this podcast. Hearing about other women's journeys made me feel so empowered. And with each episode, I felt even more confident in my choice and ability to succeed. It was like a pep talk from these incredibly strong women every time I listened. Our first little girl is three months old now, born in our living room with my husband and midwife. And I would live the experience a million times over if I could. Thank you for creating this collection of real, raw, amazing stories. I will never stop listening. The Punji Farmer, what a compliment. I love the way that this podcast has been able to help mothers find the strength inside themselves and has given the ability to more easily reconnect with the truth that we were designed for this event. It's such an honor to be able to provide beautiful example upon beautiful example of this. If you would email me, the punchy farmer at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a happy homebirth podcast sticker. All right, let's jump into this amazing story. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the happy homebirth podcast. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. It's always fun to get to actually interview people that I know. And so, you know, being able to listen to your birth stories, it feels very full circle. So I'm just so happy to have you here. Would you be willing to take a moment to just introduce yourself to the listeners? 
Yes, so my name is Katie Ganim, and um, I actually live in the little Pelzer, South Carolina. And um, me and my husband have three kids. Um, our oldest is actually my stepdaughter, so I did not birth her, but she lives with us all the time, so she's mine. Um, and then I have a almost four-year-old little girl named Andy Lane. And then my little boy that I just had about a year ago, he's almost a year old, his name is Eli. And um, yeah, so I just really wanted to get on here so I could share my experience. Because if you would have asked me, I don't know, like six years ago, if I would have had home birth, I would have been like, um, negative. I used to say that I wanted them to just knock me out and cut me open and get the baby out. Like, <laughs> that's what... I thought I would do, but that's what I thought I wanted. Um, and my husband is actually the reason why we decided to have a home birth. So, yeah, I'm so excited to get into all of this. And I mean, with your first birth, let's talk about that. Once you got pregnant, what was that like, and what were your expectations? So, yeah, with with my first, I just didn't really do like a whole lot of research or anything. I didn't really, you know, I just knew basically what I guess most people know is just, you know, you, I had been going to an OBGYN previously before I was pregnant. So I just, you know, went with them, told them I was pregnant, did the whole normal thing that everybody does. Um, the only thing that we did know, well, we actually didn't even know at the beginning of my pregnancy was like my husband was trying to talk to me about vaccines and like stuff like that to do with the babies after, you know, after they were born. Um, so we had decided during that pregnancy that we weren't going to do that stuff. But as far as like the actual pregnancy of prenatal care and all that, it was just basically the normal what everybody does kind of thing. Right. We didn't um, we didn't have any plan as far as do anything different. And so I was your typical terrified. Like I was terrified of the pain. I was terrified of what all it entailed. And so I basically the whole pregnancy just was terrified and was like, I'm getting epidural. I don't want to feel any pain. I was past the point of saying, oh, well, just, I just want to have a C-section. I wasn't going to do that, but I knew I just, I wanted pain medicine. Mm -hmm. So, um, leading up to her birth, I had kind of decided that I was gonna, I didn't want to be induced. I knew that. And so looking back on it now, the prenatal care was just not what it is when you have a midwife. Um, and I remember specifically looking back on it and being like, I can't even believe that some of the things that that doctor said to me. <laughs> like, what? Um, like I remember going to one of my last appointments and being worried that the baby was going to be so big that I was going to have to have a C-section just because of that, because one of my friends had that experience. And I remember being there and like asking the doctor about it. And she was just like, yeah, you might already be past that point now. Like, just so rude to the fact that, like, she, like, the baby's going to be too big and you're probably going to have to have a C-section. And that was, like, a, a fear of mine. And she said, well, you might be past that point now. And it was just, like, to make somebody feel that way. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, I ended up having a growth ultrasound <laughs> with, with Andy Lane, like, two days before I actually had her. And at that appointment, the 
the doctor was saying, you know, that she didn't think that I was favorable, that my cervix was favorable, that I was not going to be ready to give birth yet and all this stuff. And then I ended up going into labor on my own two days later. But anyway, um, we did a growth ultrasound, though, and that was actually accurate, which now, you know, looking back, I don't love the fact that I had another ultrasound, but the growth ultrasound said that she was seven pounds, 11 ounces. And then when she was born two days later, she was seven pounds, 12 ounces. So that was interesting. Um, but anyway, it's too big for you, Katie, too big. No way you can have that baby. Too big. You know, she thought, yeah, with her touching my belly, she was saying that was, she was going to be so big. I wasn't gonna be able to have her. And then she was seven pounds, 12 ounces. Um, so do you want me to just go ahead and get into my yeah. labor? Okay. So yeah, there's nothing really fun as far as prenatal care really that I can talk about for her. But for the, for labor, I ended up, I was leaking fluid all day and I didn't realize it. Well, I mean, I kind of started realizing it, but I didn't know that that's what was happening. Um, and so I was at work. This was when I was still a hairdresser. So I was on my feet at work all day and I kept having to go to the bathroom because I kept getting like stuff was coming out and it was different. It wasn't like just normal discharge. It was like liquidy. So it, I thought, is this fluid? Like, am I leaking fluid? And I remember asking the girls at work and they didn't know, you know, they're like, maybe it could be. And, um, so I went all day and I was 39 weeks and four days. Yes, I was 39 and four. And so I had kind of already been doing a little bit of things trying to just prepare my body for birth. Like I didn't really want to induce myself, but I was like doing evening primrose oil. Um, and me and my husband were trying to get things going a little bit. And so I got home from work that day after I thought I'd been leaking fluid. I walked around the neighborhood. I was like, I'm going to go for a walk, just try to see, you know, if this is actually happening, I, you know, want to try to do something that I can try to help it. And so I called the nurse, the on-call nurse that evening, because I told my husband that I thought I was leaking fluid. And he said, well, why don't you ask? So I called and they were like, well, if you really are leaking fluid, then they were like, you try to lay down like flat, as flat as you can. And then when you get up, see if you have like some more liquid come out, like a bigger amount of liquid come out. And so I did that. I laid down on the bed and then I got up. And when I got up, it wasn't like a huge gush, but it was just like, you could tell that stuff came out. And so the nurse, I called the nurse and told her that. And she said, yeah, she said, it sounds like the baby's head is probably plugging a hole where there's a hole in the sack. And so when you lay down and then got up, it had a chance to come out. And so she's like, you might want to come in. And I was like, so are you telling me I'm about to have a baby like right now? <laughs> like, do I need to bring my hospital bags? And she was like, yeah. And so I was just not mentally prepared, period, at all. Not ready for that. Um, and so I looked at my husband and I'm like, well, I guess we're going. And so this was at like 930 at night, though. So it was I had been going all day, basically at least 12 hours, if not more, of leaking fluid. And so we get there. We took our oldest daughter with us. Her name is Annabella. We took her. She was 11. And so we knew that she we wanted her to be in the delivery room like she was going to get to see everything. And so she went with us and um, we get there and they test the fluid to make sure that it's fluid, you know, that's amniotic fluid. And it was. And so the lady's like, OK, you're going to have a baby, you know, and I haven't felt any contractions at this point. But they did have me on a monitor and it was saying I was having contractions, but I didn't really I hadn't felt anything really. 
And so I remember just they went, moved me from that room to the delivery room to get ready. And they didn't induce me or anything. Like I didn't have Pitocin or anything like that. I just contractions started on their own. So I basically went into labor on my own. But I remember around like 11, 11, 1130, I started having like a full blown panic attack. And my mom was in there with me, thank the Lord, because my husband is not very sympathetic when it comes to stuff like that. (laughs) And so she was trying to talk to me and I was, I don't know if my body knew that something was about to happen, which obviously something was about to happen, but I don't know, like if, I don't know what it was, but I was in full blown panic mode Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I hear this pop, like it felt like that Andy Lane just straight up kicked me. And my water broke. <laughs> like my water popped on its own at like, ele- it was like 1130 or so. So I was laid in the hospital bed and I was started freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, what was that? You know, and because I was having the panic attack, the nurses, I heard the nurses saying something about trying to give me Xanax. They like wanted to give me Xanax because I was having anxiety, I guess. Mm. And um, so... I heard him say that and I said something like, no, you're not giving me that. I was like, I'm fine. I was like, I think if I just, you know, have my epidural, then I'll feel better, you know, because I knew I wanted my epidural. And so they checked me and I was only at a one. And so they said, you can't have your epidural. You can't have that right now. And they were like, but we can give you some kind of other pain medicine. They said they could get me. And I said, no, I'm not, I don't want to do any hard medication or whatever. Well, about 30 minutes go by and I was in pain and I was like, mama, can you go ask them what kind of medicine they were talking about? <laughs> and can, so, we, can we revisit that maybe? <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe, maybe I want to do that because like I said, I had no education before this leading up. So I was not in the right headspace at all. My mentality was not good. I just was like, I don't like this. I'm in pain. I don't want to feel it anymore. So they did, they came in there and they gave me some kind of IV medication. I want to say it was dilated or something like Mm -hmm. that. I basically felt like I had drank a 12 pack of beer. Like I felt like I was super drunk and out of it. It took the edge off of the anxiety and it also took the edge off the pain, but I could still kind of feel it. Mm -hmm. So but that only lasted for an hour and a half. (laughs) So after that hour and a half went by and the medicine wore off, they checked me and I was at a seven, which was amazing. I went from a one to a seven in an hour and a half. Now looking back on that, I wish I would have never gotten that dang Mm -hmm. epidural, but I got my epidural Mm -hmm. at a seven and everything slowed down. So that was probably... I don't know, one something in the morning that I was at a seven. And then I don't, I don't remember when I got to a nine, but I know when I got to a nine, I was stuck at a nine forever. Like I didn't have her. So this was like one o'clock in the morning when I was, when I got my epidural at a seven, I didn't have her until noon the next, you know, like that day, that day, cause it was that day. But so for several hours I was stuck at a nine. So they, put me on a peanut, that peanut ball thing. They were doing all this stuff, trying to, um, get me to open up. And, but when I laid on one side, I don't know, remember which side, but when I laid on one side, they said the baby's heart rate was dropping. And so that scared everybody in the whole room. It was like, there was just a lot of things that happened that scared my parents, like my family members. Um, like my dad, I remember he was terrified because they had said something about, well, if you don't get all the way to a 10, 
then you don't want to push the baby out yet because then your cervix will rip and you'll bleed out basically is what they said and made it sound like I was going to die if I didn't get to a 10 because it was taking me so long to get from the nine to the 10. And so I remember my dad told me later that he heard some kind of alarm go off after they sent him out of the room because they sent him out of the room when I was pushing and he heard some alarm go off, which had nothing to do with me, but he automatically thought something was wrong with me because he was out in the weight room. So, you know, just hard. I mean, yeah, that's when they set you up to like this idea of like, oh my gosh, everything's an emergency. Like this is so dangerous. What's going on with you, Katie is so dangerous right now. I mean, yeah, it was, it was like more, more fear and I was already scared, you know? Right. And so anyway, when I finally get to the 10, you know, it's time to push my, I'm laid on my back, legs wide open. My mom's holding one leg. My husband's holding the other leg. And I'm trying to push this baby out from basically trying to do a crunch. Like I'm trying to crunch up is what they wanted me to do. And it was terrible. I I thought I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm never going to get her out. It took me forever to finally even make any progress. But before that, I skipped a part. Before that, you know how the nurses try to get you to push it so they can see the head before they even call the doctor in? Mm -hmm. Well, they had me doing that. So they had me push her. I got her into the birth canal. Her head is in my birth canal. And then they go to get the doctor and the doctor's in an emergency C-section and he can't come right now. So I had to lay there on my back with a baby's head in my birth canal with them telling me not to push, don't push because he's not here for 45 minutes. Mm. <laughs> just like, Hey, ignore your physiology, ignore what yeah. your body's telling you to do and just do what we're telling you to do instead. It's better. Yeah. So for 45 minutes, I'm laying there. That was torture. My epidural wasn't really working anymore at that point because they had told me before I started pushing, don't push your little button anymore. Cause if you push, if you're too numb, you're not gonna be able to push basically. Um, so I, you know, I could feel a lot and I was just laying there <laughs> for 45 minutes. So then he finally comes in and I'm trying to push, trying to push, you know, they keep telling me that I'm not, my pushes aren't productive. And I know that my pushes weren't productive because I couldn't feel, I, I could feel, but I couldn't really feel. And I couldn't see what was going on down there. So, um, Anyway, it takes me a little while, but I finally get her. But in the meantime of her coming out, the doctor proceeds to cut me three times, three different places and didn't say he was going to do it or anything. I had no idea he even did it until after. And of course, my mom, you know, she was like, oh, well, he had to do that because she wasn't going to come out if he didn't do that. And I was like, ah, I mean, maybe if I was in a better position you know, it would have been easier, but I was laying flat on my back and something about, they were saying that she was having to come like up and over, I guess my pubic bone or something like she, if something was in the way and I'm like, yeah, because yeah, your anatomy was in the way. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so she finally gets here and I mean, it was, it was fine, but, um, it was just not, you know, now that I'm on the other side of it, hindsight is twenty twenty. At the time, I didn't think of it as being a traumatic birth or anything like that. It was just what I thought to be what would be normal mm-hmm. until I had my home birth. And now I know the difference. But, um, you know, there was just little things like that. The, the feeling like I was brushed off by my OB at, before I even had her where she, you know, was saying negative things right before I was supposed to go into <laughs> 
into labor like I was almost due. And then just the intervention. I think they did give me Pitocin when I was about to start pushing because I guess the epidural had slowed down the contractions so much and stuff. And they said they needed to get my contractions to be working better for them to, for me to be able to push her out. So I want to say they did give me Pitocin then, but I don't really recall feeling very different. Like I don't recall it doing much. Um, But anyway, so then after she was born, we knew that we weren't going to do vaccines or anything except for, I do remember we basically got tricked into doing the vitamin K shot because we didn't really know anything specific about that shot. We just knew that we didn't want to do vaccines and the nurse made it sound like, oh, it's not a vaccine. It's just a vitamin. Like That's what she said. And we didn't know for specific research about that specific one. And so like my husband's over there, like watching them like a hawk, like what they're doing to the baby because they took the baby off. And he's like, you know, we don't want any vaccines. And she's like, oh, this isn't a vaccine. This is just a vitamin. And so she gave it to her. Like The nurse gave her that one. Um, they said they didn't give her any of the other ones. But then when you looked at our paperwork, it said that they were given. So I don't know if they just said that because they get money. (laughs) They get money for, you know, giving them or if they really gave them to her. Will said he didn't think that they did, that he thinks they just put it down that they did. Um, And then anyway, so she was fine. Nothing was wrong with her at all. She um, they gave her to me pretty quickly. So I was holding her. Um, I got, I was holding her while they were stitching me up. It took them a long time to stitch me up because I had well, three cuts. Yeah. When you make three incisions. Or, yeah. And so that was the most painful part. And I was mm-hmm. like telling them that I could feel it. Like I was like, I can feel that. And he was like, you can feel that as he continues to stitch. And I'm like, yes, I can feel that. And he's like, oh, well you shouldn't be able to feel it. And I'm like, well, I can. <laughs> like, And he didn't do anything about it. Um, but that was probably the worst part, actually, of the whole thing was getting stitched up after. I don't really remember much about the placenta for that one. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, hospital birth was just typical hospital birth. Um, like I said, I wouldn't say it was really that traumatic, except for now that I know the difference. Mm-hmm. I, there were things that I didn't like about it. You know, you just yeah. don't have the you don't have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. And I do remember postpartum wise, like they got super mad at me because I got up to go to the bathroom by myself because my epidural was worn off way before I started pushing. So by the time I was done having the baby, I could walk. And so Mm -hmm. I got up and I was going to the bathroom and I was doing stuff. And the nurse like came in there and she's like, she said something about she needed me to go pee. And I was like, Oh, I already went to pee. And she was like, you weren't supposed to go without me. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I didn't know that, you know? So I was very like independent and like doing my own thing and they don't really like you to do that apparently. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that what you alluded to and I think what a lot of moms end up experiencing after that experience in the hospital and then having something different than that, when you look back, it's like, I just feel deceived. Like I felt like I didn't have choices. I felt like you had all of the power. I didn't realize this is my body and this is my baby and I get to tell you what to do. You know, it's like you treat me like I'm an infant. I'm not an infant. I'm having an infant. Like it's not the same. Um, so yeah, yeah that's, that's, I feel like later on down the line, when you look back, it's like, oh, that is really frustrating to see how I was treated so 
like I was so much less than what I am. Right. Yeah. And with me being as young as I was, like I didn't really know. Um, and I had had I had been to the hospital and seen like my cousins have their babies and stuff. And I remember like I was outside the room when one of them and she was like screaming bloody murder, you know. And so like I just think I had all this fear leading up to about birth, you know, leading up before her. And like my husband, he would have probably been totally fine with us having a home birth the first time, but he knew that I just wasn't ready and wasn't in that mindset. And so he just kind of went along with what it was that I wanted to do. But he, you could tell that he didn't like a lot of things that were happening. Um, And he did step up and like, we ended up telling them we wanted to leave pretty quickly. Like we didn't want to stay there for days. Um, And there was nothing wrong with Andy Lane. So we, didn't have to you know do anything to where we had to stay um so we were out of there with like I stayed one night in labor and then we were out of there the next day like we were done well I guess we did stay one night when the baby after the baby was born Mm -hmm. and yeah the next day after that he was like we're ready to go like we're ready to leave we don't want to be here um and so and like that's what somebody even said something about um, then one of the nurses was like, do you want us to take your baby tonight so you can sleep? And I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, you my baby's in this room with me. Like, no, we are not. And like, I had several moms say that to me, like mom, people who were already moms that were texting me and stuff and telling me congratulations. They're like, girl, you need to take advantage of that. Let the, let the baby go to the nursery and you can just sleep tonight. And I was like, heck no, my baby is staying in this room with me. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's everybody's preference, but I was very mama bear. Like every five seconds I was waking up and checking on her, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, I did have a lot of anxiety postpartumly, (laughs) postpartumly. That's probably not a word. Um, but in my postpartum, I was had a lot of anxiety with her and I guess because it was my first baby, um, second baby it's just like oh they're fine (laughs) you know he'll be fine he's fine um but first baby I was very like helicopter like and I even remember so this was a funny story that I always like to say about my birth with Andy Lane was we were in the hospital room after like she had been born she was been born for several hours and I was sitting in my hospital bed with Annabella Annabella was sitting beside me like playing a game or something and my mom was holding Andy Lane across the room and they had the lights kind of down like they were off like it was kind of dark in the room and I looked over at Andy Lane and she looked like she was blue like she looked like she was not breathing she was blue and I tore out of that bed so fast like I about hurt myself because I thought she was not breathing. And I was like, mama, she's not breathing. And I like screamed like that and hit the nurse's button, like freaking out, like just anxiety through the roof. Mm -hmm. And the nurse came in there and she's like, she's fine. Do we need to turn the lights on in here? Like it was like a shadow that was on her face or something. It was making her look like she was blue and she wasn't breathing. And so I think that that had a, a, a really heavy toll on me and not just me, but like my marriage and stuff for the first several months after with postpartum with her, mm-hmm. I just was very anxious, always thinking she was going to stop breathing or like something bad was going to happen to her. Like I wouldn't even let my husband take her and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I was very, and I think that all the preparation and all the like soul searching and stuff that I did leading up to my home birth ended up helping me in the long run 
overall with all of my anxiety about just life and our bodies and our babies and how, you know, trusting God with all of it um, helped me prenatally and throughout, you know, my labor and postpartum with my second one. Whereas the first time it was just all full of fear and anxiety basically is what my first pregnancy labor and postpartum was. Mm, And so there was such a huge difference with my second. That's incredible. I mean, that's incredible to hear already the fact that, you know, it had such a massive impact on not just the birth experience, but just your experience of motherhood and just womanhood and just existence all changed with a different type of care. So I'm curious to hear what was that second pregnancy journey like? So we basically knew that we wanted to get pregnant again. We, um, both of our pregnancies were planned, so that was good. Um, and so we started talking about how we wanted to have another baby and my husband basically told me and he says things in a very straight up way. He, people, a lot of people think that he's not very nice, but he's just very straight up. And he basically was like, I want to have another baby, but if we do, it is not going to be in a hospital. <laughs> and I was very much offended and defensive and was like, um, you're not the person who has to do this. So you can't, you know, you can't say that. And he was like, well, I'm just letting you know that I don't want us to have to go through that again. Like he did not like how the whole experience was and he didn't want to go through that again. And he was like, so if you're not willing to try to think about having a home birth or at least a birth center birth, we talked about a birth center too. Um, at first he was like, then I don't think I even want to have another kid. Like he just didn't. He was like, we can either have another one, not in a hospital or we just, maybe we don't need to have another one. And so I was like, okay, I'll do a birth center. That's what I said. I was like, I'll do a birth center. We'll do the birth center birth. We can do that. I'll find a midwife. And I actually had a friend who, well, I knew you, but I also had um, other friends who had had a home birth too. Um, I think that's Emily. Emily had a home birth before mine. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I knew about her that she was going to do that. And I was, me and her were working together at the time. And I had already seen that you had done that too. And so I was like, you know, it's not totally, I guess it's not totally crazy. Like I can do it. But at the beginning, I was still very like terrified. No, I'm not doing that. I would do a birth center. And even then I was still terrified. So we got pregnant. Um, We decided to look for a midwife. So pretty quickly after I found out I was pregnant, I called Labors of Love because that's where Emily had said that she went. And so I called them and I didn't even know who I was getting. They just were like, you can, you know, meet with this lady. Her name was Irina and she was actually really good. Um, But I met with her and I think I talked to one other person, but I didn't actually meet with them. Um, But anyway, I go have an interview with her, asked her 5 million questions and basically told her how anxious I was. Um, Because at the beginning, I was still very full of anxiety, just like I was the time before. Um, And, you know, she was very, very, like, understanding of that. Like, she did all kinds of things to try to, like, ease my mind and give me information to look at and, 
you know, try to make me feel as comfortable about my decision as possible. Uh-oh, I'm, I have to go grab the baby. Hold on. You're fine. Anyway, she, um, my midwife was great. We met with her. Um, and I also was going to say, too, that I don't know if anybody, anybody else listening has the same problem we have with insurance, but our home birth paying out of pocket was cheaper than what we ended up having to pay the hospital <laughs> by the time it was all said and done with Andy Lane. Um, because our insurance covered a certain amount, but then we had an out-of-pocket max and we hit our out-of-pocket max, mm. which was like $9,000 um, for my first birth. And then with my home birth, we had to pay completely out-of-pocket, but it was only like $4,000. <laughs> so it was actually cheaper. Um, so anyway, we get our midwife and the prenatal care obviously was way better. You know, you have hour long appointments with your midwife where you talk about everything under the sun. They, you know, meet your other children and it's just a hundred times better. Whereas with a doctor, you're sitting in a waiting room for 45 minutes and then see the doctor for like five. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, a world of difference. Um, one of the main things that I love too about midwives versus doctors for prenatal is the cervical checks. I hated, I used to hate getting checked. Like literally at every, almost every appointment you had to get checked. And with a midwife, I don't think I got checked at all until I was in labor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, so that was way better. Um, I did get an ultrasound. I did get an ultrasound at eight or nine weeks, I think. Um, maybe 10 weeks. It was at the beginning. I got an ultrasound just because like I, that was one of the things that made me feel better. Like I just need to get this. And so I got the ultrasound at the beginning. Um, we did the 20 week ultrasound cause we wanted to find out the gender, which my husband was, he did not want to find out the gender, but I was like, I have to know I'm too OCD. Like I have to know what the gender is so that I can be prepared and be ready with all the things. <laughs> So, um, so we did do that and we had a gender reveal party. So my mom went with me for that ultrasound and I think I did, I did the glucose at home. I don't, I didn't do that glucose drink thing. I did the, where you monitor it at home for several days, which I knew I was going to be fine with that because I've never had a problem with that at all pregnant or not pregnant. Um, so we did that. I'm trying to think of all the things that, um, we did. She did take my blood for, you know, just doing certain tests for that, which that wasn't bad for the GBS. Is it GBS? Yes. Mm -hmm. That I got to do that myself, which was way better. I just went and swabbed myself and was like, okay, you know, we make sure that's fine. Um, Dr. Stafford is always fine anyway. He's very chill. So I had, to, I had to go see him twice. Um, but anyway, most of the prenatal care was just way more hands-off, way more comfortable. They get to know who you are. They ask you what you're eating. She didn't want me to keep up with my food, what I was eating, um, and all that stuff. And so the main thing, though, that I did while I was pregnant that helped me with my mindset was listening to the podcast over and over and over. I binged the podcast. Every time I was in the car, 
I would listen and listen and listen. I pro- I listened to all of them. I know I did. <laughs> I listened to every single one before I had him. Um, and that is just so like you don't realize at the time, but it's like you spend that much time listening to that much positivity, like the positive verse stories and stuff. It just it just changes your mindset. I mean, my whole mm-hmm. mindset completely changed. And my midwife w- would even tell you, like when she first when I first started going to her, she I think she was a little nervous because of how anxious I was. I was so anxious. And then she saw like that it completely changed mm-hmm. over time. Um, and then I also did HHA and that helped a ton too, just with knowing all the information and doing all the prep work leading up to that. And then I also hired a doula, which I didn't hire a doula until I was like 30 something weeks pregnant, (laughs) which was funny because I just didn't think I needed one. I was like, oh, we'll be fine. We got this, you know, my husband was so supportive and I thought, you know, he'll be fine. He can help me. And then we started getting to the end and I was like, you know what? I was like, I love my husband, but he's not very compassionate is a good word. He's just not, he's just very, he's a man. I mean, he don't, he don't get it. And he's not very, like if I would have started having a full blown panic attack, he would not have been great with that. And so I knew also that my my parents were not going to be here because while they were not like mad or like totally against it or anything, they were very, they were terrified. I mean, they, they were, it was something completely off for them. They're not great with change and they were terrified. And so they, like I knew my, I did not need my mom to be anywhere near here because her negative energy was going to, come off on me and then I was going to be freaking out and so I was like we you know we're not going to do that so anyway so I just knew I needed a doula I was like I'm going to need a doula to be able to help me because there's going to be certain things that she's going to know or she's going to say or she's going to be able to help or she's going to you know give me tips and all that stuff so I met with her right there at the end so we had to do our appointments pretty close together and pretty quick but she was amazing um her name is Ashley and she literally was a godsend. Um, like if I wouldn't have had her there, I would have don't know what I would have done. Yeah, so she that really was is incredible. Yes. So that was just that was perfect. Um, and so anyway, prenatally was good. I guess mm-hmm. I need to get into my labor with him. Yeah, now. I'm I'm excited to hear. I mean, it's it's so neat to hear the transformation that you made just prenatally. Like, I mean, even before your birth, you just by inundating yourself with these stories, like you said, it's, it is crazy how something that seems so simple is so massive. Just getting your mindset in the right place makes such a difference. So yeah, I can't wait to hear how it plays out in this birth experience. Yes. So I had this annoying pre-drummel labor for like two weeks for the, like the last two weeks of my pregnancy, I kept having, I guess what you would call pre-dromal labor. I mean, it might've been Braxton Hicks. I don't know. But my problem was, is when I was pregnant with Andy Lane, I never had any Braxton Hicks with her. So I didn't even know what that felt like. I literally had never felt a contraction with her before I was in the hospital. Um, And then even when I was in the hospital with her, I got pain medicine so fast that I honestly didn't even remember what a contraction felt like. Mm -hmm. so when it came to him it was like 
I would have these contractions and I couldn't decide, okay, is this a contraction or is like he moving in there and it just kind of feels like stuff is getting tighter or whatever. And so um, for, it was at least two weeks before he was born, I would have contractions and I would keep having them. And I would like, after I would have a few, I'd be like, okay, well maybe I need to start timing them. So I would start timing them and then they would stop. Like they weren't consistent. They wouldn't stay. Well, I had him on a Friday and the Friday before that I had went to the car dealership and bought a new car because I needed a new car to fit the baby once the baby was going to be here because I was going to have three kids. And so I had to turn into minivan mom. And so we went to the car dealership that day. I don't know if my body just like got all excited or what it was, but we went out to dinner that night and I was having contractions like for a long time. I kept having contractions and I thought I was going into labor. I was like, oh my gosh, I just got the car. You know, I'm, I'm, everything's ready now. So he's going to come. And so I was having contractions. Me and my husband get home from dinner and I'm like making him blow up the birth pool. I'm like, we got to blow up the birth pool. I think that I'm in labor, you know, and I'm like freaking out. And I called, I think I called the do I called Ashley. I called Ashley. I didn't call my midwife, but I called Ashley and I'm like, hey, I've been having contractions. I don't know if this is really it. I was like, it's not been 511 yet. You know, I was like, but I was like, I've been having them for a while. They just haven't been five minutes apart for a minute long. Like I had been having them for a few hours. And she was like, well, you know, just rest because it was at nighttime. She's like, go to bed. If you still feel like that in the morning, you know, then call me back. And so go to bed, wake up, they're gone. They stopped. Nothing happened. So I was just kind of, I don't know. I felt defeated a little bit, but I was like, it's fine. You know, baby's going to come when he comes. And so I, um, I, we left the birth pool blown up though. Like we left it beside our bed. I was like, I mean, I'm going to be having him soon anyway. Let's just leave it blown up. So the birth pool is blown up beside our bed in our bedroom and it was there for a whole week. (laughs) And so I went into labor with him on the ninth, which was the day before his due date. And so in the middle of the night on like the seventh going into the eighth, I called my doula literally at like midnight because I was having contractions again. And I thought that I was going into labor that day. And I didn't, didn't call my midwife though. Just called my doula. I think I had texted my midwife like, at some point during these few times that I thought I was going to labor. Um, and I, I do believe I did. And she was like, you know, cause I told her they fizzled out. I just wanted to update her that it was coming soon. And she was like, don't worry. All of that work is going to help you later. Um, so anyway, when I called my doula in the middle of the night, like the, basically the day, it was basically the day before I actually went into labor. She, I thought I woke her up, but she said she was awake. And so she just told me, you know, try to rest. If they're still going on in the morning, call me back. So she said the same thing. And so I called or I texted her the next morning after I woke up and I was like, they stopped again, like false alarm, no big deal. So that was on the 8th. Well, then on the 9th, the next day. And so it was funny too, because my oldest daughter, she was doing competition cheer. And so we knew that a week from that day on the day that he was born, that we were going to have to go to, to Asheville, North Carolina for her cheer competition. Ooh. 
And so I had told her and I had said to my husband, if I don't have him at least a week before, I'm not going to be able to go. I was like, there's no way. I was like, even at a week, it's going to be challenging. But I was like, if I have him any closer than a week, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to go. And she has to have me do her hair and her makeup like she can't do it by herself. And so she was freaking out. And I'm like, well, as long as I have him on Friday, by Friday, I was like, I got to have him by Friday, then I can go. We're going to rent a house up there and I'll just stay in the house the whole time. I'm not going to go to the competition, but at least I can do her hair and makeup and then I can just chill in the house. (laughs) So I had him on Friday, thank God. But (laughs) anyway, so we're all in the backyard. It was a beautiful day. We're in the backyard. We had bought this like outdoor water play thing for the girls. and. I'm sitting out there with them. I got my bathing suit on, this big old belly, and I'm just chilling. And it's like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and I start feeling them contractions. I'm like, dang, I'm having contractions again, you know. And at first, I just thought, this is just this is the same old thing, you know. So this is the day before his due date, though. Mm-hmm. So 5 o'clock, and I'm sitting there, and about 5.15, I start timing them because they've been happening for a little while. So I start timing them about 5.15. And I told my husband, I'm like, if I, and they were five minutes apart, they were five minutes apart. They were a minute long. And I told him, I said, if I get to an hour, he's been having for an hour, I'm calling my midwife. Because one of the things I was terrified of was that I was going to go very fast and they weren't going to make it. Because if I would have not had that epidural with Andy Lane, I think it would have went really fast because I went from a one to a seven in an hour and a half. And so that was my biggest fear my only big huge fear with this was like if they don't get here I'm gonna freak out and they were like 40 minutes away Mm so I call my midwife and I'm like hey I've been timing my contractions they have been five minutes apart for a minute long for an hour and I was like so I'm just letting you know that it's probably going to be soon and I would feel good if you like get over here (laughs) you know and so she came immediately she was like okay I'm on my way so I called my mom because we had already planned that Andy Lane was not going to be here because I didn't know how I was going to be. And I just, she kind of stresses me out sometimes when she starts being, she's my wild child. And so I had decided like, I think it might be better if she's not here because I don't know what's going to happen and she's going to want to get in the water and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, so my mom, I called my mom. The plan was my mom was going to come get her and let her go spend the night with her. So I call my mom and I didn't want to freak her out, but I'm like, Hey, I think I'm in labor. I need you to come get Andy Lane. I already had Andy Lane a bag packed for days. I was like, her bag is ready. She's ready to go. I'm going to give her, I said, I'm going to give her a bath. So I'm like in there giving her a bath while I'm in labor. I'm going to give her a bath, make sure she's clean. And then you come get her. I'm going to stick her on the porch and you can just pick her up there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing all that. And my mom's like, well, I'm out to eat. Do I need to hurry? And I'm like, um, I mean, maybe, I don't know. So the one really good thing that worked out perfectly too was the midwife got here before my mom got here and left. So my mom got to see that she made it. The midwife is here. We're fine. She got to see her bring all of her equipment in. Because, you know, they are medical professionals. They have equipment. They have everything they need if there's a medical emergency. And so, like, my mom got to see all of that. So, she wasn't freaking out the whole time she was not here. And so, the midwife gets here. Andy Lane leaves. My parents leave. We ordered pizza, which I know is terrible. But we were <laughs> we were at, like, the last, like, it was last minute. And I don't know why. We should have known. But we ordered pizza. 
because we I don't know what it is about labor and like fast food. Like, but that's my story too. I never eat fast food. <laughs> Wendy's, really, Caitlin? Yeah. Wendy's? Yeah. So, and I didn't even hardly eat it. Like, I'm trying to eat the pizza, but I don't really want it, you know. And so, my oldest daughter, we wanted her to be here too because she was there for Andy Lane, and we were like, you know, we want her to be here. So, <laughs> which is hilarious later. But anyway. So she, she has a friend over. Her friend is over here to spend the night. So we have two teenage girls in the house. So they're in her bedroom. So anyway, the midwife gets here. And at first I kind of felt bad because when she first got here, it was everything was kind of chill. Like I was not like super, super active labor, but I was just glad that she got here. And I found out later that she came so quickly because she had missed a birth right before that, like the same week. And so she was like, I'm coming. Mm -hmm. So she gets here. And at first for like the first hour, we're literally sitting here watching TV. Like <laughs> we got the TV on, I'm sitting on the birth ball bouncing. And she told me, she's like, stop timing your contractions. I'm going to time them for you. She was like, I don't want you to think about it. She was like, so you just chill and do what you got to do. Okay. So it gets to be, it's like close to seven seven it's seven something mm -hmm. and so we're like doing all you know just chilling doing all the stuff well then I started feeling like my contractions were picking up a little bit and about eight eight or eight thirty I was like I need to take a shower so I go get in the shower and I had called Ashley before that and she I think thought that I was crying wolf because I had talked to her for a couple other times and so I talked to her and I told her that my midwife was on the way like when when the midwife was on the way I told her the midwife's on the way and all this stuff and she was like okay well you just call me back and let me know when you need me mm -hmm. and at first I was kind of like well but I kind of wanted you now like I need you now like what do you mean but I was like okay and so, because I was thinking the doula is supposed to be here before the midwife is what I was thinking. Maybe not, but that's what I was thinking. And so I'm like, whatever. So anyway, when I get in the shower, my contractions start picking up even more. Like I'm in the shower, I'm standing up, my contractions are picking up. And I remember I was being vocal, which I did not think I was going to be at all, but little did I know, <laughs> I was very loud. Um, and so I was being vocal in the shower, and I remember Will walked by or something, and I'm like, call Ashley. You need to call Ashley and tell her to come. Like, I need her to be here. And so he's like, really? I'm like, yes, call her. So she he calls her. And she's like, okay, you know, I don't know exactly what she said to him because she talked to him, but she's like, okay. So I get out of the shower. When I get out of the shower, I told my midwife, hey, like my contractions are getting more intense. And she said, oh, I know. She said, I was timing them. I could hear you. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I'm, we're thinking, you know, that some progress has been made. So she checks me and I'm only at a two. <laughs> and so I was like, oh no, you shouldn't have told me that. So but I'm only know that means nothing to your body. Like obviously right, right. you jump from what was it? One to seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, you know, like I'm thinking I got to be more than that, but she's like, it's okay. You're only at a two, but that doesn't mean anything. She's like, we're going to, she did this thing called sideline release, mm -hmm. I believe is what it is. So That's she had me kind of like on the bed, like kind of hanging off the bed and she was holding me and we did three contractions on both sides. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm going to get you to do this. And then I'm going to put you in the bed for you to lay down and rest. Mm 
Mm-hmm. For anybody wondering about that, that is a spinning babies technique. So you can look that up. It, it can be really helpful. Yeah. So we did that. She said she wanted to make sure baby was in a good position and all that stuff. So we did that. And then she put me in the bed. And I I was asking my husband last night. I can't remember. I can't remember if I was on a peanut in the bed or if I was just in the bed. I feel like I was on the peanut, but I don't know for sure. But we were in the bed and my doula was still not there. Okay. So she took over an hour to get there because I think that she thought I was crying wolf. Like she legit thought, because she did tell me later that when she talked to me on the phone, she was like, girl, you were so calm and chill. She was like, I thought you were not even close. Like she thought it was going to be a long birth. And so Mm -hmm. she like took her time and went and got her some food and like came on. And so when she got there, we were in the bed. So then I felt bad too. Cause I told my husband, I'm like, she's going to get here and I'm going to be in the bed and she's going to be like, well, crap. I didn't even, can't even do anything. Well, I found out later that she got to the top of my stairs and the midwife was laying out here on the couch and she said something to the midwife, like, you know, where's everybody at? And the midwife was like, oh, I'm having her lay down for a little while. Well, I'll tell you, when I lay down in that bed and there was no relaxing, my contractions were picking up even more. And I was like, I couldn't lay there very long. Like I was like, I cannot, every five seconds, I felt like I was squeezing my husband's arm off. Like I was having really, really intense contractions. And so she said, when she got to the top of the stairs, she heard me. (laughs) And so she came in there and I remember her coming in there because she said, Hey mama, how you doing? And I was like, um, I think I need counter pressure. I was like, I think I need you to come do counter pressure. And so she came and got behind me. And cause I was laying like to the outside of the bed. And so she got behind me and she started doing it. And we had planned on that Will was going to be the one doing that, but that changed because I needed him to be in front of me so I could hold on to him. And so she was doing that and then it wasn't, it wasn't long at all. And cause at this point it was like nine, nine thirty, And so it wasn't long at all after she got there that I was like, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And so we go and get on the toilet. So those lovely toilet contractions and my body started cleaning itself out, which was not lovely for her, I'm sure, because she's trying to do counter pressure and I'm pooping. And so that was like the the weirdest feeling too, because literally my body was just expelling it without me doing anything. It was so strange. And so I was in there for a little while. I don't even know how long, but it wasn't super long because I had this baby at 1135. So this was at like 9, 930. And so I get out of the bathroom. And so my photographer was supposed to come too. And I had texted my photographer at like six something. And I was like, hey, just giving you a heads up that pretty sure I'm in labor. So it's going to be tonight. And I was like, I'll let you know, you know, I'll let you know what's happening. And the craziest thing too was between my contractions, I was totally fine. We were like laughing and joking and having a good time. And then I'd have a contraction and, you know, I'd be loud and let it out. But between contractions, I was fine. Like we were just talking and hanging out. And so like I never went into that labor land. I don't don't even know if I had transition, honestly. Like I don't know if that happens. I don't know if you can not have transition. I kind of feel like maybe the poop was the transition. I don't know. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, anyway, I just feel like the stages of labor, it's all so fluid. Like it's yeah. not like when God designed labor, he was like, okay, well, here's stage one and here's stage two. Like, no, it's it's a fluid process. 
Yeah. And so I get off the toilet and uh, at this point I had to put on one of my little adult diapers because I'm like leaking all this stuff out. And so I'm sitting on the side of the bed and this is, it was close to 11 o'clock because I remember I wasn't sitting on the side of the bed very long and I started feeling pushy. Well, so right before that though, I guess right when I got off the toilet, she did check me again and I was only at a five or so she said I was at a five. <laughs> 30 minutes later, I had a baby, but I was at a five. And so I'm sitting on the side of the bed. I'm just laboring on the side of the bed. We decided to go ahead and start filling up the water because I was feeling like they were getting pretty intense. And so um, my husband was like, oh, it's going to take us like an hour and a half to fill this pool up. And I was like, shut up. And I was like, <laughs> like, he's like over there making jokes. I'm like, shut up. And so they start putting water in the tub. And I started, I was like, y'all, I'm feeling pushy. Like I was feeling pushy already. And it wasn't maybe 30 minutes after she just told me I was a five. And Ashley was behind me doing counter pressure. And I'm like, do you feel that? Do you feel my body? Like my body is pushing. And she was like, uh, yep, I felt a little, she was like, I felt a little pushback on that last one. And I was like, yeah. And so I'm literally sitting there and I, I looked at my phone and saw that I texted my photographer at 1101. And I said, um, so I was like, I'm at a five and things are moving really fast. I think you need to get here. And she only lives like 10 minutes from me. And I was like, the front door is unlocked. Just come in. <laughs> so she gets there. And the first picture, I think, was time stamped for like 1115. And I'm sitting on the side of the bed um, laboring. And they get just enough water in that pool for me to get in it like it was not full but it was just enough in there and because i started saying i'm feeling pushy like come on we got to get in the water and so i get over there in the water and my water has my water has not broken yet um so i get over there in the water and i i'm pretty sure i only had like three or four contractions and that baby was out but mm -hmm. my first push that i had that i actually pushed my water burst Mm -hmm. so, so I, feeling. yeah so i'm guessing that my it maybe it was bulging and i didn't know i don't know but it it burst and my midwife her hand just happened to be kind of right there so she felt it and she told me she said if my hand wouldn't have been there i would have had no idea that even happened because it was so clear my mm. water and everything was not bloody like they said it was like the least amount of blood that they had ever seen at a birth which I don't know if it had something to do with the red raspberry leaf tea I was drinking that whole time or what. But they said it was like the least amount of blood that they had seen. And my cleanup was a lot, like was really easy. But anyway, so I pushed the first time and my water broke. And then the second time I had a contraction, the second contraction I pushed and i remember i felt like i felt him like move down but he didn't like his head didn't come out yet and then that third contraction i pushed and his head was out and they were they were laughing at me because i was like i said i was talking between my contractions and so when his head came out i was like oh no i felt myself tear like i like said that i tore i was like oh no i tore and they were like don't worry about that right now you know it's fine and then for some reason my dumb self i don't know why i said this because i knew what the answer was but i was like wait a minute 
his head's out. Can he breathe? Like I was like freaking out because his head was in the water and he's underwater. <laughs> and so I was like, wait. And they were like, no, he's fine. He doesn't know he's been born yet. You know, so I'm like, I don't know if that thought was dumb, but I thought, wait a minute. He's underwater. He can't breathe. I just realized this is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And so his head's out. And then on the next push, yeah, on the next push, he came out. Hooray. And so I was leaned forward, like I was like kind of doubled over. Like I remember at one point when I was in the water too, she got the Doppler down there to check his heart rate. Cause I remember she said, let me check him real quick and make sure he's okay with how far you're leaned over. Cause I was like leaned really far over. Um, and so anyway, and then my husband, so right before I pushed him out though, I was holding my husband's hands. He was in front of me. And right before he came out, like when his head was out, my husband said, hold on, let me go get Annabella. And I said, um, no. And I, gra I grabbed him really fast. I said, no, do not move. <laughs> and he was like, okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was kind of funny because you can see in the picture, you can see in the pictures that the photographer took that I made a face like, no, don't leave me. Um, and so... I did that. So he came out and then Annabella did come in there after that. But mm. that feeling after he was here was just like amazing. Like I actually have a video. It's not the best quality video, but I have a video that my photographer tried to take on her phone um, while she's also trying to take pictures on her camera um, of right when he was coming out. And so since I was in the position I was in, he came out like behind me basically and the midwife caught him and like put him up between my legs and so mm -hmm. I got him um mm -hmm. up between my legs and um I sat back like I sat back into the pool and I was just like in the video you can hear me I'm just like oh like so relieved it was like that big like relief that you know I did it and he was finally here and like um, it wasn't near as bad, you know, as I was thinking it was going to be. And, but I was very loud. So I basically screamed him out. <laughs> like I was screaming and the girls, um, Annabella and her friend heard me. So that was interesting that, you know, these 14 year old girls were probably like, oh my gosh, what is happening? They're never going to have children. Um, and so anyway so then he did go get Annabella right after I had him like after I had him up on my chest and I was sitting there he said okay now I'm gonna go get Annabella because we did want her to be there and I really would have had her be in the room but she didn't she was kind of she didn't think she wanted to be mm -hmm. um, and so she came in right after though right after he was born so she got to see him and they you know he cried pretty much immediately they didn't have to do anything with him um I didn't know at the time, but they said that his APGAR score was like nine or whatever. Um, so she said that he was very um, alert and awake and everything um, right after I had him. And then I guess I was, I was sitting in the water for not very long, not too long before they were like, okay, well, let's go ahead and get out so we can take care of the placenta and so we got up on the bed. The birth pool was right beside my bed. So I got right up onto my bed. And the craziest part, though, was I was terrified of the placenta coming out. <laughs> it was like I just had this baby and I was like, it's over and it's done with. And then for some reason, when it was time to do the placenta, I was like, 
I didn't want to do it. I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. And they were like, this is the easy part. Like, it's fine. Like, you're going to be fine. And so that was kind of strange that I had <laughs> a little bit of anxiety about the placenta. But um, but that was fine. It came out fine. Um, but I did tear, which I kind of thought that I was going to tear where the episiotomy had happened because, you know, people had told me that there's a chance that that'll open back up because it's been opened up before which it did part of it did but then I also tore like front words mm. too and that's the part that I felt <laughs> I felt oh. that part when it, his head came out um so but yeah I mean overall like it was very straightforward it was very fast you know like I started timing contractions at five o'clock in the afternoon and I had him at eleven thirty-five. Mm. so 30 minutes or 25 minutes essentially right before his due date. Like <laughs> we're right on point. Um, and so anyway, so I was just like, I was so overwhelmed and excited and glad that I did it. And I felt so accomplished. And my doula was like, I knew you were going to be, you know, such a, like just a, um, I can't even think of the word that she used mm -hmm. but it was like intuitive I think is what she said I knew you were going to be an intuitive birther like she was like you just knew what you needed to do you knew what your body needed you followed what your body was telling you to do like she was like and she was like and you made it look easy she was like between your contractions you were literally like talking to everybody like you were fine she was like if I would have just been on the phone with you and not been there even when you were about to give birth she was like I would not have thought that you were about to give birth like she was mm -hmm. like you were so chill and calm and like my husband was like making jokes and like we were just it was like we were just hanging out having a good old time and so and honestly the only way the only way that I was that calm and had that much peace about it was just the mindset that I had because of the prep work that I did you know listening to the birth stories and doing the the class and just knowing that I was going to be fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh man. I mean, it's always so amazing to hear those transformations where, you know, you start off not knowing and then your experience just totally transforms you. And I don't know, it's so special to hear that. And yours, the way that it happened where you were actually pregnant, already planning your home birth and you still were like, ah, but I don't really know about this. And I don't really like the idea of it to being someone that your doula says was an intuitive birther. I mean, that's huge, Katie. That is a massive transformation. And I'm curious to hear if you feel like it's impacted your motherhood experience and how that impacted postpartum. Yeah. So I definitely um, think that my postpartum was a hundred times better. Um, the only difference really that kind of made it harder was just that I had a toddler yeah. um, and a baby. Um, and so I had a very hard moment the next day after I had him because my mom brought my toddler over to see him and she did not, she like pitched a fit and didn't want to go in there and didn't want to have anything to do with him. And then for days after I had him, she didn't want to have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was very, very attached to her. Like me and her were very close because she was my little girl, you know, I mean, I've always been close to Annabella too, but me and Andy Lane were just really close. And so I broke down and cried like 
I think it was the day after or the next day because I was like, she hates me. She's not going to mm-hmm. have anything to do with me anymore because she literally would not have anything to do with me or him. And so that was, that part was hard. And I think if, you know, obviously if I hadn't have just had a baby and my hormones weren't crazy, I probably wouldn't have broke down and cried <laughs> like that. But that was really bad. Like I was like upset because I was like, she's not ever going to be the same again. Like it's never going to be the same, like how it used to be, which obviously it's fine now. Um, but she, yeah, that was hard. You know, she just, I think she just didn't totally understand. I mean, she was only almost three. She was about to be three. Um, and so, but as far as like, you know, recovery was way better. I mean, a a week later I was traveling to North Carolina to go to a cheer competition and I was totally fine. Um, so recovery was way better. Um, I was, I was trying to still, you know, rest as much as possible and not do as much, but like, it was very easy to get up and out and do stuff quicker than before. Um, I was not in a, anxious state that I was in before where I was like terrified that he was going to stop breathing or anything like that. Like I was actually able to sleep and he was able to sleep in the bassinet beside me. And like, I wasn't waking up every five minutes to check and make sure he was breathing. Like that's what I was doing with her. Um, so that was way better. And, you know, and I hate to sound like that I don't care about him as much or something, but it was just like, I just knew like I was at peace. Like he's fine. He Mm -hmm. is a baby. Like he's well taken care of and he's not just going to die for no reason. Like just laying there, like he's fine. And so, yeah, that was a lot better. I didn't feel like, and I was okay with people taking him and holding him. And like, it was almost like, I was like, sure, like take him so I can have a break, you know, (laughs) like, Whereas with her, it was like, no, like she's mine. You can't have her. Like I was just like freaking out and didn't want anybody to touch her. And with him, I was not like that. So that was, that was nice to just be able to. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more relaxation there. Yeah. Like, okay, everything's okay. Like the world's not ending. We're all fine. That's amazing. Wow. Katie, this has been such a beautiful story. I mean, just such an incredible transformation. And I love to hear how you experienced that and how you did get to have such a wonderful birth experience, especially since you did start that labor or that pregnancy off being a little bit unsure. Now, it sounds like you would probably recommend home birth to your friends. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm very pro home birth, you know, and I I do talk to people about it some because people when I posted on Facebook, after I had him that I did that, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, like people were coming out in the woodworks. Like, and I've had several people message me like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Like, how do you do that? Like asking about it. And of course there was people who thought I was crazy too, but I tell them, I'm like, you know, if you're not high risk, if you don't have any like red flags to, you know, any health conditions or anything that puts you high risk, I'm like, home birth is the way to go. Like I get it that if you have complications or issues that are going to come up, then yeah, you know, you probably do need to go to your doctor. But other than that, like 90% of normal pregnancies, like you should be able to do it at home and be totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, statistically, yeah, it's just as safe, if not safer than hospital birth. So that's just hard to to wrap your mind around a lot of times, but um Yeah. Gosh, that is so incredible. Well, Katie, I cannot thank you enough. It was such a joy to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast.
Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Was that amazing or was that amazing? As we head into this week's episode roundup, I want to bring up just a few of the incredible topics that Katie's story covered. Number one, Katie's a perfect example that your cervix is not a crystal ball. And the fact that it's at a one during one exam means absolutely nothing about when your baby will be born. This reality really presented itself in both of her labors. Number two, before I go on a tirade about the absolute insanity of cutting an episiotomy, especially without consent from the mother first, because I'm feeling a whole lot of angry feelings about that, let me just skip to the good part. Katie tore during her second birth, which sure, nobody wants to do, but this is a great reminder that the perineum was made to stretch, yes, but it was also made to heal. And healing from a natural tear is generally a much easier experience than healing from intentional incisions, as I am sure Katie would attest. Finally, mindset is everything. I mean, really, your body already has everything it needs to give birth to your baby, barring very special circumstances. The really important task is assuring and reassuring your mind that that's the case. Of course, understanding physiological birth, knowing all the types of positions and pain relief and coping techniques play a part in building that mindset. But it's important that you know that you've already got everything that you need. Okay, my friends, what a beautiful story. That is all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.